I think you're going to see, what you're going to see first is growth turn positive. And then you're going to see the pace of job losses slow materially further. They've already slowed significantly, as you said. They're going to slow materially further. But again, most private forecasters, and let's, let's use their judgment, suggest you're going to see unemployment start to come down, maybe beginning the second half of next year. Hello and welcome to NPR's Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum in Washington, D.C. And I'm Alex Bloomberg in New York City. Today is Monday, August 3rd, and that was Treasury Secretary Timothy Geithner you heard at the top. He was talking on ABC's This Week. Um, hey, Dave. Yep. Let's just start right off with the, with the Planet Money indicator. All right. It is 48.9. 48.9 what? Dollars? Kelvins? <laughs> I don't, I don't know what <laughs> units it's in. It is the Institute for Supply Management's factory gauge for July. Right. So what is it? Like Institute for Supply Management measuring units or something? <laughs> I just looked it up. <laughs> Apparently it's a percentage. I don't know what a percentage of, but it's basically a measure of how the manufacturing industry is doing. So here on the website, non-metallic mineral products, paper products, printing and related support activities, Rubber products, wood products, tobacco products, all that stuff. Anyway, uh, it is shrinking, but the headline is that it is shrinking at its slowest pace in 11 months. Yeah, anything under 50, uh, any number under 50 means that it's shrinking. Any number over 50 means that it's expanding. But that 48.9, that is very close to 50. So that's, that's, uh, that's considered progress. I feel like a lot of the indicators that we read are like that. So today we are we are going to try and go back to something very basic that's easier to interpret. And we haven't done it in quite some time. We're going to check in on the credit market. So how easy is it for companies? How, is he, how easy is it for people to, to borrow money? Right. And you may remember at the peak of the crisis when people were talking about economic Armageddon, it sounds like something you'd make a movie about, um, until we tell you that economic Armageddon means a seizing of the credit markets where even good borrowers have trouble making money. It's already the uh, the poster isn't looking that action-packed anymore. <laughs> I mean, well, if you just think about it, it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a total disaster. Right, I know the dialogue. Sir, bond spreads have widened by hundreds of basis points. God help us all. But, you know, it, it really was, you know, almost a catastrophe because of this thing called credit. Credit, as we've talked about over and over on this program, is essential to the functioning of, of the economy. If you can't borrow money, if good borrowers cannot borrow money, the economy sort of grinds to a halt. Right. So it, it was like there was an asteroid coming toward toward the Earth on a collision course, sort of. It was an action movie. Yeah, it was an action movie. And um, the, the you know, in the action movies, you check in with the astronomer or the physicist, and they're like, yes, we've done the calculations. It is heading right for us, we think. Right. <laughs> so right. The, the guy who served that purpose for us early on in this podcast was, uh, was Ira Jersey. And he studies the credit markets, and he's one of those guys who works in a, you know, room filled with... Uh, I imagine flat screen TVs and people running around screaming and shouting. You you talked to him about a year ago, and he did confirm that yes, we were in the path of an asteroid. Yeah, yeah. So I called them. <laughs> I called them back up now to see to see how we were doing. He's changed jobs. He is now head of U.S. interest rate strategy at RBC Capital Markets. Can you hear me? Okay. I can. Okay. You and I talked. Uh, it was almost a year ago. Now it was September. It was right at the peak of the crisis or the beginning of the crisis or something. And. Um, I was asking about the credit markets, and, and you said um, you said it was like a fire hose that had been reduced to a trickle. 
sounds like me. Is it? What's the flow like now? Well, companies that weren't able to borrow at all uh, are now able to uh, to borrow, but their their rates might be higher. So they might have to pay a higher interest rate now. Correct. So so today they might have to pay a little bit higher than, than they would expect to, but at the same time they're able to uh, they are able to get loans and they are able to uh, uh, to finance some debt. But that's really only for good quality issuers. A lot of lower quality issuers, so what we call high yield uh, issuers, are, are still having a problem. But even in that market, there are select deals getting done. There are, uh, there are some, again, better quality issuers in the high yield market that are able to issue bonds. And so, so if I'm a riskier company, I might have I might have a harder time get, getting, getting... You'll have a harder time. You'll have to pay higher interest rates than you might have had to pay two or three years ago, but at least you're able to uh, to, to refinance your debt. And and that's really what's been happening. A lot of the, the debt that is uh, that is, is getting done and, and, and investment-grade corporate issuance, so, so good quality, uh, larger, generally larger companies have been able to issue bonds, but that's really to repay bonds that are coming due this year or, or early next year, whereas... Um, um, whereas there's not a lot of new bonds being created, so these are really just just a rollover of uh, a rollover of existing debt. So things are not back to where they were before the crisis. Uh, nowhere near where they were before the crisis. Th- that being said, they they are nowhere near the crisis levels that you saw in the in the third and fourth quarter of last year. So Ira Jersey says we are away from the abyss, but the, the credit crunch part of it is not over. So everywhere you look, things are slow. Banks are not lending significant sums in part because they're still worried about their own health. And here, just to give one concrete example, Baltimore, where I live, uh, they used to issue a certain kind of bond called a TIF bond to finance new developments. For instance, there's this uh, project planned for downtown by the water. And the market for those bonds just does not exist right now. And Baltimore can't sell them, which is another way of saying that no one wants to loan Baltimore money. At least for this big project in downtown by the water that these bonds are for. Right. So actually, the U.S. government has stepped in and it's helping out. It's providing backing for these things called recovery bonds. But it turns out... In order to participate, Baltimore had to declare itself a the whole city basically a disaster zone. I think the tech, <laughs> a disaster the, zone. It's re- recovery zone, I think. But right, you get, you so get it is idea. a disaster movie. Yeah, it is a disaster movie. Yeah, right, right. And the the problem, I guess, what Ira Jersey is saying and what we're talking about here, the problem Baltimore is having, uh, consumers and other companies are having as well. They can't borrow as much money as they used to. Um, and you talked to Ira Jersey about why that is, and one reason. The banks and other financial institutions don't want to lend us and the companies that we run and own money is that we've already borrowed too much. The consumer, just the household, uh, debt levels are still very high. Our, in our estimation, households need to repay about $3.5 trillion of debt in order to get back to what we would consider a more sustainable debt-to-income ratio. And, uh, and it, at current savings rates, that will still take well over three years in order for that to occur. And then if you, if you look at things like debt-to-revenue ratios for non-financials, for industrial corporations, those levels are at the highest level they are, have ever been as well. So you have a situation where both the household and the business sectors are um, have have significant amounts of debt compared to how much they make, and uh, it, until those levels come down, we don't think that there'll be a significant addition to uh, the, to debt of, of either, at least on a net basis. So this is the great delevering we were talking about. It's still going on. 
correct. And and it has to go. And again, it's going to take two or three years at, at a minimum, probably until it's it's over. And it might even take longer than that. So on the one hand, Alex, that sounds like a good thing, right? We're getting out of debt. And our Jersey says, uh, and many other people say that this deleveraging process it, it's necessary. Right. But most of the big things that people buy, like cars and houses and new equipment, if you're a company, it's bought with borrowed money. And those big purchases obviously help the economy rebound. And so it's sort of this weird bind. The longer it takes for us to dig ourselves out of debt, the slower the recovery will be. We suspect that the economy will come out of the the recession, actually, in, in, the, in the near term. Our, our worry is that we will have very slow growth for a very long time. So as opposed to, as opposed to a normal, uh, a quote-unquote, normal recession, so you look at the last two or three recessions that we've had in this country, and what you see is, is the year after a recession ends, you usually get pretty good growth. You get 3 4 5% real GDP growth. Um, in this situation, we think it'll, it'll be much slower and, and will be slow for a long period of time. Now, the, the, the good thing is, is that at the end of the day, so five years from now, the household sector will be in much better financial shape. People will be more confident, and, and we think we'll, things can get better longer term. But this great deleveraging that has to occur is, is going to be somewhat painful from a, from a growth perspective. And, and, and we're, we're not sure that, that the market is kind of prepared for real GDP growth to be, say, say half or, or even less than that of, uh, uh, of what most people determine is has have determined is potential growth so of two and a half to three percent it might be half that for the next three to five years so Dave it seems like what Ira Jersey is saying is 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 two things first of all like the recovery for it won't feel necessarily like a recovery to take that economist speak you know three four five percent growth what that means to the average person is that you know Jobs are going to the job market's going to rebound. There are going to be lots of jobs. Wages will go up. And if we're having what he's saying is basically one percent growth, that means it's basically just going to sort of bump along here with like high unemployment, and it's not going to feel like the recession's ended, even though if it technically has. Yeah, it's not like you have the flu and then you're better and back to work. It's like you have mono or something, you know. Right. Exactly. You get you you were healthy. You went down and you stayed down for a long time. You didn't bounce back. Yeah. Right. So um, one of the things, though, that people are also talking about with with this new administration, especially and and with the recession, the government is spending so much money. And generally, when that happens, when the government spends a lot of money that it doesn't have, the government is not borrowing money and spending it. Um, people typically start to worry about inflation. You, you talked to him about that as well, right? Yeah, I mean, the concern is also the government spending money. So there's there's pressure if the government would be happy if there were inflation down the road. But also, the Fed is trying to shove as much money into the economy as possible. So all that, the concern is that down the road that would lead to inflation. So uh, you know, we may be talking about this a lot over the next couple of years, or we we may not. Um, it turns out that the bond market, which Ira Jersey studies, can tell you what the market thinks about inflation, and it's the sort of clever way. Um, there are these bonds that you may have heard of called TIPS. They're Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. But basically, they're bonds that protect you from inflation. Because if inflation goes up, you get paid a little bit extra interest on them. So they pay, say, 2% plus whatever inflation turns out to be. Right. So you can get a sense for what the market thinks inflation will be by looking at what people are willing to pay for those bonds right now. 
and that boils down to something called the break-even inflation rate. So, the, so the, the break-even inflation rate is effectively your um, is a, is in effect the market's expectation of what inflation will be will average over that period of time. So, for example, ten-year break uh, break-evens right now uh, are at 1.88 percent. So, so what that's saying is that the market expects, on average, over the next ten years, for inflation to be 1.88 percent, um, which historically speaking would be uh, would be reasonably low. So what that's saying is that even though the government's doing all this unprecedented stimulus spending, even though the Federal Reserve is doing everything it can to shove money out into the economy, the market is, is still saying we think uh, you know, over the next 10 years we're not terribly worried about inflation. Uh, correct. That that is certainly what the what the market's telling you, and and I think that the market is is probably correct. Alex, so his argument is basically that under normal circumstances, all this extra money getting pushed into the economy that that could be a problem, but it's probably not going to be because the credit markets are still kind of broken. So even though we're putting all this money out into the economy, it's not having as big of an effect as it might have at another time. So he's saying basically it's, it's not going to suck so much when all the money has to come back out again. <laughs> right. It's interesting. Like Again, our movie does not have a very dramatic ending, huh? No, I know. Exactly. Exactly. How will the, how will the Fed accomplish its quantitative easing goal? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, asteroids are a little bit easier to comprehend. Um, but not to stop all of you potential screenwriters out there who, who are working on a big script about Ben Bernanke and how he saved the world from financial Armageddon. Um, I could see Brad Pitt in that role. <laughs> Damn it, I said open the discount window. Open it! <laughs> anyway, I think that does it for us today. Send us your pictures, your thoughts, your comments to our blog, npr.org slash money, or by email to planetmoney at npr.org. I'm Alex Bloomberg. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening. Money!